Welcome. You are listening to the Willamette Investors Network Multifamily Show. We are a nationwide network of investors, syndicators, and industry professionals that invest in real estate together. We believe that investing is a team sport, and our goal is to connect you with the people, experiences, and education that will help you along your journey to multifamily success. Jerome Myers leads the Myers Development Group, which focuses on buying broken apartment building businesses and using innovative thinking and solid execution strategies to optimize the operational efficiency of the business. Currently, Mr. Myers is an asset manager for 90 units and 90,000 square feet of workforce housing in Virginia and North Carolina, and on a mission to hold 1,000 doors by the end of 2028. When not working actively on his personal portfolio, he coaches other real estate investors on the Myers methods of multifamily investing. Outside of real estate, Jerome hosts the Dreamcatchers podcasts, volunteers in STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math boards, and enjoys traveling internationally. So Jerome, welcome to the podcast again, and uh, I'm so honored to have you here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, man. So I'm the son of a soldier and a stay-at-home mom. Uh, when I was five, I told my mom I wanted to be a trash man. She grabbed me by my two little cheeks and said, baby, that's not going to afford you the lifestyle that you want. And so I went down this path of trying to figure out, hey, how do I get an occupation that will actually pay for the lifestyle I want to live? Um, this will be relevant later on in the conversation. And so I went off, went to engineering school, joined corporate America, was really fortunate. I was able to earn over $100,000 on the East Coast before I was 26, and then went on and did a few other things. And my last job in corporate America was uh, building a $20 million business. I was employee number two, and we had $0 built in that division at that point. And then by August or September, we had about 170 people working on the team. And by year end, we did about $20 million in revenue. Um, wow. But, but was that a real estate related business? No, it wasn't. So we okay. were taking overhead power lines and putting them underground. And so we were responsible okay. for the real estate acquisition for the right of ways. Mm-hmm. We did engineering design. And then we also did the construction aspects of actually executing against the designs that were created. That's interesting. So, so how did building that business prepare you for real estate investment? Well, so I talked, I saw the guys that I reported to. So I had three different bosses in that year or maybe in 18 months. And I saw them once a quarter, right? Mm -hmm. And I talked to them once every other week, basically. And so I was running my own business. I was tip of the spear. Mm -hmm. P&L was mine. And, you know, I had to make all the different resource decisions. I had to make all the scheduling decisions. Um, It all rested on my shoulders. And I was, in fact, I was the only person that really had the skill set. So... Um, I'd been doing project management and leadership and engineering for all the time after I got out of my individual contributor role. And so it just put me in a really strong position to actually lead the effort. And it hadn't been done before. So we had to create systems and processes and so on and so forth. And it, it was super exciting for me. But the thing that sucked was it was the first time that I had to lay people off. And so we built this huge business to meet the business demands. Um, and he's like, all right, well, you're not going to have to do that next year. So we need to reduce the staff. And so I bickered and argued with my boss on Christmas Eve. 
Mm-hmm. And he was like, that was yeah, like Christmas? We're, wow. yeah, we're, we're going to have to let people go and you've got to decide who you need to keep on the team in order to be successful. And so, of course, I didn't really sleep well that evening. I didn't eat for a week or so, lost some weight. But we, we put all the pieces back together and by the end of February, we were up and rolling again. And then November rolled around. Mm-hmm. And the day before we broke for the holiday, we called everybody in and said, hey, um, some people are going to be impacted. We're doing another round of layoffs. Not sure what it all means right now, but, you know, be careful in your Black Friday shopping. And that felt amazing, right? And so Yeah, that had to send them home with some Christmas cheer. <laughs> yeah, two years in a row of laying people off and I was over mm-hmm. it. And so um, at the end of that year, I said, I'm done with corporate America and started doing a real estate thing full time. Awesome. Awesome. So how did you get the idea of going into real estate from your previous job? Were you, were you dabbling with it on the side? Did you have like some real estate experience prior to that? And then how'd you get to multifamily? Yeah. So in college, my friend and I, Duran, we were sitting on a stoop outside of our apartment and we started doing some math, you know, two engineering majors with a whole <laughs> lot of time on their hands. We were doing math and it was like, all right, well, you pay this for rent and there's this many people paying rent because they were written by the bedroom. And then there's that many bedrooms in the building. And then there's this many buildings on, on the, at the property. Like, oh, he's making $700,000 a year. And we didn't understand the expenses or anything. But we were like, we've never seen this guy. We, we never talked to him, like none of these things. So how did he figure out how to decouple his time for money? It's like, this is amazing. And so, of course, we didn't have anybody in our network. We were first generation, go away to college kids. And so we went off and did what they tell you to do as a kid, right? You go to mm-hmm. good school, you get a job, and then you work for 40 or 50 years, and then you hope to retire and be able to enjoy all the money that you saved up. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I had a flashback to that. I was like, I want to go back to that because my senior year, I said I didn't want to get a job when it came close to graduation. And so I was evaluating different options, grad school and whatever else. And that statement was extremely true. I didn't want a job. What I wanted was an income stream. Mm -hmm. And so when I add in that conversation on a stoop with what my true desires were and this thing that kind of started to persist. I saw the Thomas Crown Affair at some point. I don't remember if it was in college or right after school, right? But there is this guy who comes in and he buys businesses. I was like, I want to be like him when I grow up, right? And so when you read my bio, it's right, apartment building businesses, right? So we're Mm -hmm. buying a broken business and now I get to be Thomas Crown, right? I get to come in and do my M&A thing, buy a broken business, fix it, force appreciation and then either operate it and enjoy the cash flow or sell it to somebody who wants the cash flow more than I do. And so we kind of married all that together. So you asked if I was uh, dabbling on the side. I was, I was lending money to people who were fixing and flipping houses. And I thought, man, you can pay me 20% on the money that I lend you for this. How much money are you making? Mm-hmm. Right. And at the end of the day, they were like, I'm making 200, 300 percent. Like they were actually showing me their financial models. I was like, oh, so I need to actually do that. And so I did that for a while. Right. So I walked out of corporate America thinking I was going to go buy an apartment building, had a little bit of cash, had a credit score, had some experience. Right. Had an MBA, like beating my chest. I got all these credentials and I got everything. I should be super desirable. The, every bank I went to said no. And there had to be 10 of them. Right. 
you don't have any experience. You haven't signed a loan. I was like, what do you mean? I just built this huge business. Yeah, you haven't, you haven't signed a loan. You don't have experience. So I went and started flipping houses. And mm-hmm. one day I was sitting on the porch or standing on the porch of one of the houses we were flipping and a fellow investor from the community came up. He's like, yeah, man, let me check out your house. We're getting ready to start a project down the street. And as we were talking and walking, he, um, he said, hey, do you know anything about this building in Church Hill? It's an apartment building. It's like, yeah, I tried to buy that four months ago. He's like, well, I'm getting ready to make another offer on it. I'm getting ready to make an offer on it. I was like, hey, man, please don't leave me out. Like, I really want to do this. You know, he went and made the offer anyway. And uh-huh, uh-huh. it got rejected. And so he circled back. And another one of my buddies who was actually flipping houses, um, he, he reached out to him. He's like, I want you to be the contractor on it. And then my buddy was like, I'm only doing it if Jerome does it because he showed this deal to me first. And Jerome understands project management. So we'll bring him in for project management. The broker got in on the deal. He said, I'll sell it for you guys once you fix it. And then the property manager came in. He's like, I'll manage it and help make sure we fix it the right way. And so the five of us went off and we bought our first deal. And so that's how I got into the apartments through through that JV. That's awesome. So you got into apartments by partnering with other people, which is advice I hear constantly. You know, you can't just go into it on your own. You have to actually partner with other people. And uh, so from that point on, like you mentioned earlier, you were decoupling your money from your job. Uh, have you been doing that ever since? That's, this is it, man. Yep. Other than I, teaching other people how to do it, all I do is, you know, the apartment stuff. And so, okay. um, so, so how many apartments do you have right now? So we are just over 90 doors, just over 90. Okay. And do you manage that all yourself or do you have property management? How do you, how do you run that? Property management. Mm-hmm. What did you do in order to go about interviewing them? Uh, most of it's been referrals. And so the first guy that we hired in our market, well, you know, one of them was a partner. And then when I went to the new market, so I took my talents down South, right? I didn't go mm-hmm. quite to South beach, but I went down South. <laughs> and so um, the first guy was part of the RIA. And we, we used him for a while. Then we realized he wasn't really the right guy. And so I know a whole lot more about interviewing property managers than I did when I, I hired my first one. Um, just because somebody's in your real estate investor association doesn't mean that they're the right person to actually mm-hmm. manage your property. And so, you know, I thought, Hey, he's a nice, seems to be a nice guy, et cetera, et cetera. He's on the board. All these things make sense. In the end, he absolutely was the wrong person to manage the property. And I get reminded of it pretty regularly because, you know, I'm a type of person who can do stuff on a handshake. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the kind if you go back to the contract, I feel like something went really, really, really wrong. And if there's conversations along the way, you should never have to pull the contract out. And when I told him that we weren't satisfied with the services they were providing and we wanted to terminate them, um, he decided to exercise the early termination clause in the contract, which, you know, we went to court over it and I had to prove that they were grossly negligent in order to not have to pay that fee. And hmm. it's not that I actually paid, didn't pay the fee. What happened, they collect all your money, right? So he just didn't release the fee back to me. Right, so right. It was just, I'm still upset about it. I, I don't know that I'm ever going to get over it, but it yeah. is what it is. 
I, dra- I mean, people dragging through you through court is uh, not a fun situation. And, and there are definitely people out there that, um, you know, if, if they're crossed or if they feel like they've been slighted, can, uh, it, the situation can get bad quickly. Um, so did you go on from there to find other partners in these deals? And, and actually, let me ask you also, did you buy this property outright or do you have investor partners? Yeah, so we do JVs on all of our deals, right? Gotcha. Uh, part of my mission is to introduce as many people or help people get experience, right? And so mm-hmm. as a passive investor, from my perspective, you don't actually get experience as a multifamily investor because you haven't signed a loan, right? Mm-hmm. When I walked into the banks, they all wanted to know if I signed a loan. And so mm-hmm. um, every, every deal that we do, we try to include somebody who doesn't have any apartment ownership in their portfolio, so that there's another person that can go off and sign a commercial deal. And so that's, that's our adventure, that, our expansion, our plan. That's, that's actually really great of you to do that. I've, I've known a couple of apartment syndicators now that uh, one of them, for instance, um, he gets most of his funding from a family office. Mm-hmm. But, and, and the family office wants to take 100% of the deal. But he actually actively goes out and says, no, we're going to leave part of this open for people that are just coming into the business because they have to be able to sign on loans. And if we want future partnerships and a growing network, then we need to be bringing new people in and helping them, you know, get their first deal done. Without question. I mean, and the other piece of that is if you've got all of your money coming from one source and you do your voting rights proportionate to the ownership in the deal, which is what we do then they're in control. Yep. So you're the operator, but they're in control. And that is no fun if, if something goes the wrong way. Yep, yep. What, um, what areas are you looking at now? Are you looking to uh, acquire new properties or are you focused mainly on managing this one? What's, what's next in your horizon? Expansion. So, yep. you know, we're, we're about 10% of the way to our goal and we're looking to crush that. I mean... I, I don't think it's actually going to take us till 2028 to hit our goal, but we've got it out there as kind of our our North Star mm-hmm. and guiding our decisions. But no, we've got a development deal in the pipeline that's 120 units. And, you know, we just had a deal come across the desk today that's 100 units. And so the goal is to aggressively buy for the foreseeable future and be opportunistic as things arise. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think of uh, the talk about an upcoming downturn? Uh, do you have that factored, factored into your plans? Yeah. So, I mean, the thing that we do differently now because we're conscious of potential correction is we just change the way we finance, right? So instead of having something that isn't pre-negotiated at the five-year reset period um, on a loan, we, we just have a 10-year loan that resets at five years. And that way we can ride through. Um, if a situation comes up on the tail end of that, then we'll have to deal with it. But uh, I don't think we'll be in trouble in 10 years. It just right. doesn't seem likely. And I mean, a lot of the stuff that we're doing, we're buying it with recourse debt, forcing mm-hmm. the appreciation and then refinancing out with non-recourse debt. And so um, that's another way to get that longer term permanent debt. That's that's a bold choice. So so recourse debt. How how does that conversation go with your uh, your JV partner? Everybody's good with it. I mean, mm-hmm. we believe in our business plan. We 
are going to act with the utmost integrity. And so mm -hmm. the great thing about the building is it's not going to be worth zero, right? Like we don't have an opportunity to lose everything or actually have to write a check for $800,000, $900,000. Mm -hmm. The building's going to be worth something. Now, may we, could we lose our risk capital? Yeah, but we'd have to do a lot of things really wrong in order to end up in a place where we have to do that. All right. I, I wanted to ask you about dream catchers too. Mm -hmm. uh, can you tell me a little bit about that and what you're doing? Yeah. So dream catchers is our, it's a combination of things, but it's the development thing. Right. And so you see my shirt, I took the red pill. <laughs> it's matrix inspired. Right. And so for all those people who are, you know, asking that question, like, is this it? Could there be more? the goal is to help them figure out how to live out their wildest dreams. And so the mm -hmm. person brings the dream to us and then we figure out how to help them catch it. What we've learned over the course of the past 10 years that we've been doing it is, hey, a lot of people know what they wanna do. There's a small group of people who know why they wanna do it, but the mm -hmm. people who actually know how to do it are the ones that are really rare. And so we wanna plug into the strategy piece. We wanna help people with the how. And in helping them with the how, we also want to walk the journey with them. And so I liken it to having a tour guide versus a travel agent, right? So the travel agents will send you off to go do something. And even if they've never been there, mm -hmm. the dream catchers, we want to go on the journey with you, point things out, kind of look around corners and over walls and help you see things that you might not be able to see with the goal of helping you, you know, accomplish whatever you're setting out to do. What, what, what sort of, have you, have you had, I assume you've had moments with students where they've just had that aha moment and I, I, I understand where I want to go with this. Have you, have you experienced something like that where a student really woke up and they just started executing and getting it right? Yeah. And I mean, I think the most transformational experience that we have is in our mastermind. It's called mm -hmm. the powwow at the mountaintop. And so mm -hmm. quarterly we get together and we bring people from all different parts of the country, all different industries, and we have the conversations, right? But it's, we, we ask each other the questions we've been asking ourselves. So what have you been dealing with? What have you been struggling with? And out of the one the six areas of life that we focus on, um, whether that's self image relationships, career, health, prosperity, or significance, like mm -hmm. where do you want to make the biggest shift over the next 90 days or the next year, but break it down into 90 day chunks so it's actually achievable. And so when you see the power of all the people sitting in the room, collaborating and pouring into a person that's usually off doing it by themselves because they're the leader of their pack, you, you just see, you see the light bulb go off. You see their their face illuminate and they begin to glow because it, they finally get it. It's better mm -hmm. to go together than to try to do all this stuff alone, which many of the people who are operators, that's what they are. They're, they're lone wolves. Mm -hmm. I, I believe that firmly. I think that um, not only real estate it, it is a team sport, but uh, anything worth doing in this life is uh, worth doing with somebody else. Um, as a father of an 11 year old, I am very interested in STEAM, and you mentioned that uh, you're supportive of STEAM uh, activities. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I, so I'm the product of a Saturday Academy um, okay. that taught me, we did enrichment, and then over the summers we had you know math and science enrichment as well. And so that took me down this path of actually getting into engineering. And so my opportunity to give back is, I chair the Civil and Architectural and Environmental Engineering Board at the university that I went to. 
Um, I sit on another board in Richmond, Virginia that helps create a pipeline of middle and high school students into engineering. Um, and it's just me looking for opportunities to expose children and even young adults to the thing that afforded me the opportunity to have, you know, financial independence. Um, these high income jobs are not typically presented, especially to minorities, right? And so, because they don't have access to that. My dad was a soldier and I mentioned that earlier, right? We didn't mm -hmm. have attorneys, engineers, doctors, dentists coming over to our house for dinner, right? He went to work every day and he talked to other enlisted men and then he came home and that was the network, that was a socioeconomic class that we were in. When I walked out of college, I was making more money than my dad, even though he went to school at night and got his business degree. And so to accelerate the earning potential for people, um, is, for me, it's important because I think financial literacy and financial independence is the key to actually changing people's future. I, I agree with that too. I, I look at my 11 year old daughter and uh, I want her to have all the opportunities, you know, that I had growing up and, you know, all the opportunities could anyone could have. And so uh, that's, that's really great. You ready for the lightning round? Excited. Let's do it. All right. What's the best part of being a real estate investor? My income is decoupled from my time. Who's your ideal investor partner? Somebody who wants to do good while doing well. And so we believe in altruistic investment. And so the goal isn't just to take all that we can from the property, but to actually create an ecosystem or an environment where the people who are living there are able to live a, in a great place. Um, and there are a lot of people who just drain it. And those are the people who we're usually trying to buy properties from. Um, and we, we want to actually improve the community while we make money. That's good. What's a mistake you've made and what'd you learn from it? Uh, I think the silliest thing I've done is doing due diligence without having all the utilities on. Um, <laughs> there, This is the worst story I, I can come up with. So we walked into a unit and all of the ducts for the HVAC were taped off. And we we're like, what's wrong with this place? And so they had window units in. I'm like, this is crazy. And so we tried to turn on the central unit and it would turn on and turn off and turn on and turn off. And what happened was in the winter, a raccoon had fell down the main return because it was seeking heat and it got fried onto the coil, the heating mm -hmm. coil in the central. So you smelled death, right? And mm -hmm. so we, we didn't have a way to actually verify that prior to closing. But, you know, you just do silly things like that. We also had water not turned on in the unit. And when we turned the water on, when we got ready to do the rehab, we realized that the water was off because the pipe was busted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, what's a book that you can recommend that will help improve uh, either our life or our business? Uh, it's self-serving, but your dream should be real by me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, I'll include a link to that up uh, in the show notes as well. Awesome. How can the Win Multifamily listeners get in touch with you? So LinkedIn is probably the easiest way to get in contact with me direct. And um, so I'm Jerome Myers on LinkedIn and it's M-Y-E-R-S in Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, the other way is, you know, subscribing to the Dreamcatchers podcast and you can get me plugged in your ears every week. Um, we release on Sunday evenings. 
All right, Jerome, it has been a pleasure listening to you and hearing about your investments and how you uh, have started the Dreamcatchers podcast as well, making sure that people are achieving their dreams and uh, uplifting the community around you as you're working to be an investor. That's a great story. Thanks, All right. Hello, Win Multifamily listeners. As you know, this podcast is all about learning to work in teams so that you can buy cash flowing multifamily properties. If you'd like to learn more about that, please click subscribe. If you're interested in the type of investments that we do at Alon Capital, please go to alancapital.com slash investors. That's Alon, A-A-L-O-N, capital.com. We'd like to set up a one-on-one phone call with you to talk about your real estate investment goals. 